Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Well, it is good. If I haven't met you, my name's Jason, and I have the incredible honor and privilege of pastoring with my wife, Ellie, and we absolutely love this church and love the valley and love what God is doing here and are really, really excited because we know that God has some amazing things in store for where he's taking us. Is anybody else? I mean, I'm full of faith, so, you know. It's cool, it's cool, it's great, awesome. Uh, God has some amazing things for us and uh, we, we get to step into that. In fact, next weekend, we have Vision Sunday, which uh, if Vision Sunday is a new concept to you, all it is really is an opportunity for Ellie and I to be up here and to communicate what God has put in our hearts for this coming year for our church. What are the things that he's speaking to us? What are the things that he's spoken? And where is he leading us over this next year? And, uh, and we're, we've been praying a lot and we've been planning and talking a lot. And I know that God has some amazing things and we cannot wait to communicate that with you and for all of us to be on the same page and move forward. So don't miss that. That's next Sunday uh, right here, whether you're in the room or online. A couple things, and then uh, we're gonna get ready to jump in. The first one is that we are in the middle of our fall small group season. Everyone give it up for small groups. We're not a church that just has small groups. We are a church of small groups, which means simply this, life happens together. Life does not happen and it can't happen fully when you're just by yourself doing your own thing, but it is designed, God designed us to be able to do this together. And if you're not in a group, I just want you to let you know that even though the semester and the season is gone, you can still jump into a group. It's never too late to do that. And you can go online or you can go into the app and you can join a group. There's some really cool groups. I think we have 18 that are meeting this semester, if I counted right. Um, And so you can jump into those and be part of them and it is just Wonderful, and I did the math, and you guys are all double dippers. <laughs> I was running numbers this week, and I was like, how do we have that many people in groups? Yeah, it's because y'all like just being together, so that's great, that's great. Uh, so join a group that is super cool. Um, something that uh, I wanna seed into your heart, and I wanna take a second to do this. I'm not gonna rush through it, but um, I just wanna prepare you for something that we're coming up to that we do every year and have done every year for the life of this church. On the first weekend of December, we are going to have Legacy Sunday, and we are gonna be giving what is called a legacy offering. And a legacy offering is different than tithes, different than normal offering and everything in that it is the opportunity for us to tangibly sow into the vision of where God is taking us this next year. This is above and beyond operating and and the things that, that need to happen around here, but this is money that is all sown into what God wants us to do to be able to reach our community, to be able to reach the nation and the world with the gospel. These are all things that that will fund throughout the year, these opportunities for us to really reach some people with Christ. And if you've been around, you you know that already we're coming up on Thanksgiving boxes, which is one of the areas that's actually gonna be funded through Legacy Offering this year. But we've already seen some incredibly open doors that God is going before us and making a way for us. I believe it wholeheartedly that when you start to just step out in faith a little bit to say, God, I want to be used by you to reach people for Christ. I want to be used to reach people with your love and to bring hope and to bring light to the darkness. And when you start to step out in faith, God goes, I'm going to use that. And already with Thanksgiving boxes, we've seen every door that we have just tapped on, not even knocked on, but tapped on, fling wide open from everything with the partnership with the Nam Pacific Center to be able to use this building for free, to having all of the turkeys that are donated already. We have rolls that are donated. We have all of these things that are coming together. Why? Because when we actually respond to say, God, we wanna be used by you to be vessels to bring your love and salvation to those that need it, he says, yes, I will use that. So legacy offering, I want you to start getting it in your spirit because it's an opportunity for us to take a step of faith, a tangible step of faith to sow into what God wants to do. 
And so I'm saying it now because I want you to really start praying and asking God what he would have you sow in this year to this season. And and really pray, because sometimes God puts a number on you and and says, this is the number that I want you to sow into. Sometimes you, you, you wade through things and God communicates in different ways. Sometimes if, if you're a married couple, you, God will speak a number to the spouse and God will speak a different number to the other spouse and then you guys get to figure that out. <laughs> so have fun. Just default to the higher number. Just do, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just a great way to go. But what I'm saying is this, this money is not for me. This money is not for this, the operating expenses. What this money is for is to sow into the kingdom. And so where is our faith level at? As a church, where's our faith level at for what God wants to do? What are you believing for? What's in your heart to see? Do you want to see this place filled? Do you want to see that in our community and in our place here that when someone says the name of One Life Church, it's synonymous with people that actually reach out and impact the community around them? That when the city officials, the mayor, and all of these, they think of the name of One Life Church, they think of, man, there is a group of people that we can trust to love the unlovely and the hurting, to go after those who need Jesus, to give not only just a handout, but help and to bring life into people's lives. And I want it to be that, that when every someone in this area, in Nampa Caldwell, when, and there's a lot of great churches, so I'm not saying that it's us only, please don't hear me, but I want people to say, when they hear the name of our church, it's synonymous with people that are living as the hands and feet of Jesus. So let's get ready to sow into that. Can we do that? Would you commit with me, because I'm going to do the same thing. My wife and I are going to be doing the same thing, to start praying into what God would have us to sow. Would you partner with us in praying? Pray, see what God would do, see what he would speak to you. And I'm going to tell you right now, for some of you that have never stepped into this before, this is going to be the scariest thing on planet Earth. And maybe God's going to say a number and you're like, what, really? But then when you respond in obedience, you're going to see him provide everything. Why? Because it's not up to us to bring the multiplication of our seed. It's up to us to handle and steward and sow our seed. It's up to him to grow the seed. Okay. So as you're praying, just be able to begin to pray that into your spirit. Over the next five weeks, or not five weeks, but over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about five different areas that our legacy offering this year is going to be sown into. I'm going to give you the five and then um, just know that we're going to talk about this more. We're going to sow into local outreach. What are some of the areas right in our community that God wants us to be able to connect with? What are some of the areas nationally? How are we helping to plant churches and to send mission trips into the United States right here? International outreach. What are we doing to reach beyond our country and to reach the world with what's going on? We're going to sow into next gen. How many think that sowing into our kids and our students would be a good idea? And we are going to be sowing into church expansion because I'm going to just tell you that there's some things on the horizon that God has for us that we get to step into and believe for. So you're gonna start hearing about those things over the next few weeks, but just start praying. Just start praying and seeing what God would do. Um, one of the ways that we actually are gonna start sowing uh, internationally, and we start it today actually, is through partnering with Operation Christmas Child. Anybody familiar with what Operation Christmas Child is? Okay, for those of you who maybe are not, I wanna play a short video clip for you to get you excited about what this is, and then we'll keep going. When those lids come off those boxes, you have never seen such pure joy. This is amazing. As you can see, the children's faces, they are excited as they open up the gifts for the first time. What makes the gifts more than just gifts is the message that comes with the gift. This is the opportunity for a child to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus, and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Millions of children around the world are being impacted by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch not just a child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you. Okay, if you've never done Operation... (laughs) 
I deserve that. Uh, if you've never done this before, it's very simple. As you leave today, and you're, you're, the kids are actually hearing about this today as well. As you leave, we have a bunch of these out in the lobby. Pick one up, pick two, three, whatever it is, and there's a packing list that goes with it. And you get to select if it's for a boy or a girl and what specific age group you want it to be for. And you'll take this and fill it with all the things that they say to put it in. I'm telling you what, it's not like a lot of money. You know, it's not like you get to put an iPod and an iPhone and, you know, like... (laughs) Fit a lot of electronics in there, you know. Uh, it's not expensive, but they're things that really bless the kids. It's things like this. You put like a toothbrush in there and things like that too that are very practical. Okay, so you're going to take this, you're going to pack it, and then on November 13th, everyone say November 13th. You're going to bring it back to the Connection Center in the lobby. Here's why that day is important, because we have to take them all to the, the Collection Center so they can get them off overseas so kids can have them by Christmas, okay? So grab one, grab a couple, and do this. The reason we're talking about it in Kids Life too is uh, this is a really, really fun thing to do as a family. Uh, we do it as a family. We go to the dollar store. We go to the dollar section of Target, which is not the dollar section of Target anymore, Um, Good grief. It's like, how did we spend $70? and, uh, uh, but we go there and my kids love stuffing them and we make it a family event and we able, we're able to actually sew it into our kids that this is gonna go beyond just where we are, that they're making an impact and a difference around the world, which is a really cool thing I think for our kids to learn, right? Um, so do that, grab one of those, grab a couple of them on the way out today and that would be great. Okay, you guys ready to jump into the word? Um, I am already in trouble, perfect, okay. Um, last week, how many enjoyed Ellie's message last week and how many had that speak to you? I, I absolutely love every, the, the core of what she was communicating, which is it all begins here. It all begins in the heart. God's not after your actions. He's after your heart because he knows that the heart affects the actions, not the other way around. And so I thought it was so good. If you missed it, you can jump online and you can look at that. Um, We're going to jump into another passage today of the Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through that. If you're visiting with us, we are talking about kingdom culture. And the way we're doing that is we're going through uh, this sermon that Jesus spoke. And very simply what happened is he uh, called his disciples together and he was going to speak some truths about the kingdom of God. And he called them together and they sat up on a mountain. And just like anything with Jesus, he couldn't just do it with the 12 because everybody else and their puppy dog came and joined with him. And so they all came up on this mountain to hear what Jesus said. And they were captivated by everything he said because what he was doing was he was offering a different way to think about things that was counterculture. It was upside down. There was one very specific way that people had learned how to live And then he was coming to disrupt the whole thing and say, no, actually, that has nothing to do with it. I want to teach you about a heart transformation to go about these things and how you live. And so he went through this. Today, the passage we're going to go through is Matthew 7. Matthew 7, and you can take notes um, or you can text OLC notes to 94,000. Get those to your phone. There's some blanks for you to fill in. You can save those notes and, uh, and, and send them to yourself for later study, which is really, really cool. Um, Okay, why don't we do this? We're gonna jump into the word. Why don't you just look at the person next to you and say, I am really happy you're here today. Yeah, good, perfect. Now look at the other person and say, "I I mean, I'm happy you're here too. Matthew 7. Verse seven says this, and I'm gonna read it out of this translation. (laughs) That'd mess everybody up. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone, everyone say everyone, who asks receives. And say it again, who seeks finds. And to who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those 
who ask him. And how many of you believe that God's got some really good gifts for you? I believe it with all my heart. He's got some really good gifts. And I'm going to tell you right now, spoiler alert, it doesn't always look like what you think. And it doesn't always match your expectation, but it is always good and it is always right. All right. Jesus in this passage, um, he's, he's talking about a, a specific topic and, and I dug into some commentaries which were extremely helpful because I read four or five commentaries that all said different things. <laughs> no help at all whatsoever. And so, you know, one would say that this has to do with prayer. How many understand this passage to do with prayer, right? Which is an aspect of it. And some would say, no, it's a continuation of the first part of chapter seven, which he's talking to the Pharisees and has, says, how can you cast judgment, you know, when you've got a, a plank in your eye? How can you pull the speck out of somebody else's eye when yours is massive and, and all this and don't cast judgment or you're gonna be judged? And he's saying, okay, so to avoid that kind of destruction, this is the kind of life you wanna live. And, and, and there, there, there's all this stuff. And I was just like, this is not helpful at, at all. So I was sitting in my, my office one early morning and I was just reading over this and I just said, okay, God, wh what do you want to say? Like, like wh wh what, what do you want to communicate to your people? And, and it, was, it was crystal clear. It was one phrase and that was it. And then he was done talking, which was not helpful. He just said, what he's talking about in this passage is the lifestyle of a learner. The lifestyle of a learner. In this passage, Jesus is communicating to his disciples a way of living life that would help them to grow in their ability to know God. One of the, the, the four main things here at our church is, is to know God. Our desire and our purpose here is to know God. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying, listen, if you guys really want to know me, you need to have a lifestyle of learning. Because there has to be something inside of you, a resolve, that is not content with what you've known, not content with what you've experienced, or not content with your own thought process around how God would do something. But he's saying, listen, for you to know God, I want you to learn, which involves asking. Seeking, knocking. This is what he wants you to do. Is to live a life that exemplifies this. Now, why is this so important? Because learning is what gives you the information to apply to your life that will bring change. Because information on its own is completely pointless unless it's applied to your life. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to know me, you need to pursue me. And when I tell you something, apply it to your life. It's that simple. But Jesus, what about, well, this is what I want you to do. Oh, that's really hard. I don't know if I can do that. Okay, well, that's your choice. We see that with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, what, what do I have to do to earn eternal life? He said, well, follow the Korans. Love, love your parents, love the Lord, serve him. I've done all that stuff since I was a kid. Okay, sell everything you have and give to the poor. Ooh, I don't know about that. Well, that's your choice. But you've heard, you've asked, you've heard. What are you gonna do with that? I think that in our lives today, as we jump into this and Hopefully, your takeaway from today is as you begin to ask God for things and as you begin to seek after him and knock on some doors when he speaks, that he would find you as someone who will respond to what he's saying. That you would actually say, okay, I'm going to apply that to my life. I might not look like the way that that feels, but you said it, so I'm going to follow you. This is the mark of a true disciple. And this is what he's leading them into. Now, here's why this is really important, because Jesus sums up the Sermon on the Mount with this in Matthew 7 and verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house 
on the rock, right? The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came and the flood, right? Anybody with me? No? Okay. All right. Perfect. Only homeschooler here. Perfect. Okay. And then he goes on to say this. But everyone who hears these words of mine but doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So he says, listen, there's two vitally important parts. You need to hear, you need to understand, and then you need to apply it. Well, the only way to figure that out is if we ask some questions, if we seek God about some things, and if we knock on some doors to see if this could be where God is leading us. Because otherwise, nothing will happen. I mean, this is not rocket science. This is just very, very simple. Now, there's three other ones, but it's to learning, and these are very important for us to understand as we go through here. Three different ones, and there's other ones, but I kind of boiled them down to these three areas, okay? As you are learning and as you apply yourself as a disciple and a learner of the word to actually grow in your knowledge of God, the three ways that you can kind of learn is from a narcissistic standpoint. Narcissistic standpoint is this. I am going to find something that agrees with my thought process. I'm going to tell you right now, you can search the internet and find somebody out there who agrees with your thinking. It's not hard. You Google, this is what I think. And then you see, and they're like, there it is. I was right. (laughs) Until you realize that it was, I have an opinion because I'm so smart and I didn't go to school, but I know that I am because I know that I am dot com slash I'm the best. And you realize maybe that's not the best source, right? Just saying. (laughs) If that's your blog, I'm really sorry. (laughs) Get a new name. (laughs) That's the first one. The second one is this, is cultural learning. Cultural learning is this. It allows culture to shape your thinking. Narcissistic says, I'm right, and I'm going to find something that proves that I'm right. Cultural says, whatever culture thinks is right, I'm going to align with that. And we see this all the time, right? You jump on social media, you read articles, all this kind of stuff, and you can align with everything that is in the agenda that is being thrown out, right? It's very, very, very easy to do. The problem with this is this little verse that Paul gives us in Romans 1 verse 25 that says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So if we allow culture to shape the way we think, we are allowing a lie to shape the way we think. Does anybody else think that that's a little bit of a problem? Yeah. The third kind of learning is this. It's kingdom learning. Kingdom learning is a lot like cultural learning except for one difference. It's allowing yourself to align with the word of God. Not with culture, not finding something that, that makes you feel right because I have this harebrained idea and I just have got to be right. No, it's coming and taking your way of thinking, looking at it through the filter of the word of God to realize, is that right, a firm foundation, or is that sand and a wrong foundation? Three ways of learning. And I think the thing is this, is that I think in, in life, we all kind of have all of those functioning at the same time. Anybody in here ever think that they're right before? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and as, as a parent, I am right. <laughs> yeah, but... <clears throat> how, how, many, how many of you would ever find yourself, maybe your, your mindset being adjusted and changed a little bit by culture, just a little bit sometimes, right? It's really hard not to do, by the way, and so if you've been there, it's, it's fine because... because It's hard. It's thrown at us all day, every day, right? But for us to be students of the word and disciples of Jesus, to grow in our understanding of him, we have to come back to saying, the only thing that I am going to allow to be my foundation for learning is the word of God. And it is going to be what shapes everything else. Because here's here's the thing, and there's, there's a little bit of a A difference here in generational stuff, and I should have put, I've got this cool visual, but I didn't put it up there. So imagine with me for a moment. (laughs) It used to be 50, 60 years ago that the way 
people naturally worked is that you would have all of these different voices, culture and news and media and, and books and philosophy and all this kind of stuff. And everything funneled through the Bible. And if it didn't line up with the Bible, it would get thrown away. Even if you weren't a strong believer, there was a moral compass that guided people. Okay? And then, if the word of God proved it, then you would apply it to your life. Here's where it shifted. In the last few years, <laughs> this was really sad, the Bible has gone from being the filter to one of the voices as everything else. So now, I will listen to the word of God as long as I agree with the word of God. I will let the Bible shape my life as long as I like how the Bible is shaping my life. And this is where we get ourselves in trouble because then we equate the Bible to TMZ, to Facebook, to Instagram. And suddenly it's just another voice that we get all of our information from, from Wikipedia. Hate to break it to you, but Wikipedia is not accurate. <laughs> and what happens is then we are getting taught, because notice what Jesus says. He says that everybody who asks receives. Everybody who seeks finds. Everybody. There's no one exempt from that. But what are you seeking? And what are you finding? What are the sources that you are allowing to shape your belief system? If we are asking, if we are seeking, if we are knocking, we have to know that it is vitally important where we pull that information from. This is what Jesus is saying, okay? So, we have to be very careful of this. Now, the heart to learn is a powerful motivator, a powerful motivator. Zig Ziglar, who's a leadership coach and, and writer and all this, he says this, if you are not willing to learn, no one can help you. If you are determined to learn, no one can stop you. I would say that if we want to be disciples of Jesus, then our desire to learn from him should be something that nobody could stop. That nothing else can sway us or distract us or pull us away from Jesus and from what he wants to speak to us. With the disciples, they're learning from their rabbi, which in biblical times when a rabbi was to call a student, it was one of the highest honors that there was. For a rabbi to come, we think it's really cool. He went and he called Peter. Oh, that's really cool. That's awesome. No, what that actually did as showing honor to Peter was a rabbi calling. You, you couldn't get a higher calling than that. And then what that did is if a rabbi called you and invited you into this kind of a discipleship relationship, it changed everything about your life because you left everything to follow this rabbi so that you could learn. Why? Because education and information and knowledge was vitally important, vitally important. And so for Jesus to call these guys and to invite them into this kind of a relationship was huge. But I want you to know this. Discipleship is not a hobby. I want you to think about that for a second. For us to be disciples of Christ means that following Christ, reading the word, praying, seeking after him, understanding, wanting to understand everything he says is not a hobby. We cannot equate discipleship and learning from Christ as we do Sunday afternoon football. It's real quiet. <laughs> but I'm telling you this, this is, this is what's really important. In America, in America, Christianity and the pursuit of God is looked at as a hobby. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it every once in a while. It's kind of a fun hobby. It makes me feel good every once in a while. Afterwards, I'm like, yeah, what'd you do? Oh, spent time with Jesus. <laughs> you know, no big deal. It's, the, it's this thing that we throw around this way. And we do it whenever we think, oh, yeah, we're just going to do it. I'm not saying us specifically. I'm saying as a culture in the United States. Okay? So here, here's, here's what we really need to walk away with is if we truly want to learn from, from Christ, we need to take it beyond a, a hobby to a discipleship where we walk in an ongoing relationship with Christ. Because here's the thing about the disciples. They traveled with him for three years, 
And how many times as you read your Bible, do they actually, are they having these conversations as they're walking? And the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, what, what about this? And they talk as they're walking. It's not a religious act. It's just something that's a conversation. It's an ongoing thing. Okay, this is what we're supposed to do. This is why this is so important. Okay, now, for us, the lifestyle of learning is the antidote to apathy. The antidote to apathy. What is apathy? It is a lack of interest, enthusiasm, and concern. You just don't care. Yeah, whatever, I don't care. Are you a Christian? Yeah, kinda, right? It's this sense of like, I don't, I don't care. I don't have a concern for what's going on. But if we are a disciple of Christ, that blows away apathy because we have a desire and a hunger to learn. And this is what Jesus wants to do in our hearts. Now here, this, I just, I, this quote I hope you will take with you. If you are learning something, you are learning something. And if you are not, you're not. Just take that with you. You can laugh. It was meant to be funny. If you're learning something, you're learning something. And if you're not, you're not. For us, are we going to be learners of the word and learning, learners of what Jesus wants to show us? Now, here's where the foundational part comes. Number three, asking, seeking, and knocking have to be anchored in prayer. And this is where this comes in. This is why people think that this is and in, in, would interpret this as being in, uh, connected to prayer. Because it is, Right? In order for us to learn, the first and foremost thing that we have to do is to bring that to God in a time of prayer and pursuing him to receive the answers for the things that we're looking for. Because if we go anywhere else, we get ourselves really in trouble. But it's through prayer that we receive the heart of God and our heart connects with him. D.L. Moody said this. He said that every great movement can be traced to a kneeling figure. And I'm not talking about somebody taking a knee for whatever reason. I'm talking about people on their knees praying and seeking God. He says that every great movement you can track to somebody who's kneeling. If prayer is only for receiving a myopic answer to our immediate natural needs, we've missed its power. Prayer is not just to say, God, I just, I need whatever. It's our opportunity to connect with the creator of the universe to learn and to grow in our relationship with him and our understanding and to walk in him. Jesus exemplifies some really cool stuff here because um, before Jesus did major things in his life, he prayed. He prayed, okay? For example, after he came out of the waters of baptism, what did he do? He went immediately into the wilderness and what? Fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights after which the devil came and tempted him. And after he had prayed for 40 days, had everything in him to go against the devil, defeated the devil in that moment, he then stepped into his public ministry. Prayer preceded it. So everyone today, I'm calling us all to 40 days of fasting. <laughs> Just kidding. Unless you feel like you need to and then do it. Just be careful. How about this? Before selecting his disciples, Jesus went away all night and spent time with the Father so that he could understand exactly what the Father wanted him to do in selecting these disciples. Before he gave his life on the cross, we see the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he do? He went and he, he prayed and he cried out in such ways that he sweat drops of blood. He prayed before going into this. You know, I think about it, it's interesting. Jesus is fully God, fully man, but I wonder what would have happened if he, went, if he would have gone into the situation of the cross without that moment. And he still would have gone through it because he perfectly obeyed the will of the Father. But I believe that the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane is what fueled him and positioned, not my will, your will be done. I don't want to do this. This is going to be hard. I, 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 this is going to hurt a lot but not my will, your will. Because it reshapes our thinking. It reshaped and it refocused Jesus. If Jesus had to do it as the son of God, fully God and fully man, I think we probably need to do it too. James 1 says this, now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, pray, 
who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So if we are to ask, seek, knock, that begins at a place of prayer, of developing a prayer life. Now, a prayer life is not some religious thing that you have to pray the right words and you have to pray the right thing and thous and shalls and these and theys and, you know, like there's nothing that says that you have to pray the King James Version, right? Like, because that's, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> no, prayer is simply a conversation. Remember I said the disciples traveled with Jesus and they asked questions as they went. What would it look like in the course of your day that you just stopped in the middle of it and said, hey God, okay, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really wrestling and I really need some help here. I need a perspective shift because I'm having a really hard time with this. Or I, I'm gonna have to go and, and I'm gonna have a conversation. I, this one I do all the time. I don't always pray all the time. Just humble, honest moment. <clears throat> when you go in to talk with your kids, Jesus, I need you. I need wisdom right now to know how to talk to my kids. I don't know what to do. But using those opportunities to keep the conversation with him going, what does prayer lead us to? One word, Jesus. Prayer leads us to Jesus. To our asking, to our seeking, to our knocking, Jesus is always the answer. He is the answer. And it's one thing for us to actually say this, but it's another thing to actually live, live like this because this is why it's so important for him to be the answer. Because answers other than Christ can become temporal right here based in the right now in this moment. They can become conditional. I believe that God is hearing my prayer and answering it if he responds this way to this specific prayer. It can become experiential. If I don't feel God, then he must not be here or it's reliant on immediate gratification. When I pray, I want the popcorn, like right there. Well, it doesn't work like that. If our asking and our seeking and our knocking is for the revelation of Jesus into our life, then that is what affects the circumstance rather than the circumstance being what holds all of our attention because the circumstance can get our eyes off of him. God, I really need this provision. I 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 need a, I need a raise. I need a paycheck. Like that's the only thing that, that's the only possible way. He's up here going, why, if you just look at me, I might have a different idea for you. Oh, that's a novel thought. But what does prayer do? It brings us to him. Here's why this is important. This is what Jesus said. John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this sounds really nice, and we believe this, and it's great until we're walking through something. And it's in those moments, they actually are the ones that prove where we're at in this whole journey. And, and here's what I would say to you today as a, as a means of encouragement to, yes, bring a little bit of challenge into your life, but also encouragement more than anything else. If you find yourself in the middle of a really hard situation, what Nick shared today, there's something going on in your life that you are just fighting through, wrestling through. It is really hard. And you are, you are just having a really, really hard time with it. Those are the moments that we can actually see Jesus the clearest if we pursue him and allow him to be the answer that we're seeking. I think it's a good thing for us to ask ourselves the question, do I believe this? Do I believe that he's the way? Do I believe that he's the truth? And do I really believe that he's the life? Because that'll shape and change your life and the way that you live. Helen Keller, um, you're familiar with Helen Keller? Helen Keller, pretty famous. She grew up, and, and when she was born, she was deaf and blind, couldn't communicate, couldn't receive communication, locked in her own world, and it was, it was horrible. 
If you there's books and movies and and it was just it was terrible. She went through this crazy crazy situation. It was not until Ann Sullivan came into her life and helped her to be able to learn how to communicate even in this dark place that she was in. Okay, now this I, I want you to hear me that before her this was a really dark situation for this girl. She she didn't know how to communicate. She couldn't talk to her parents. She couldn't receive love from her parents. Like it was just it was really hard. But Ann Sullivan helped her to be able to learn and, and to grow. And Helen Keller has some incredible quotes that she learned in her walk with Jesus. And uh, if you ever just need a boost of encouragement and strength, just Google Helen Keller quotes and you'll start bawling and realize that someone who has had a really, really hard life has found some really good truth in that life. She says this, if the blind put their hands in God's, they find their way more surely than those who see but have not faith or purpose. So you can have natural knowledge, natural eyesight, but without faith in Jesus, it's pointless. I'd rather be blind with my hand in his than I would being able to see and get lost. So for me, my continual desire to learn from Christ, to know him, brings me to see the place of saying, Jesus, let me see your face more than ever before. Let me see the truth of who you are more than ever before. Let you be lifted higher in my life than anything else in my life. And when that happens, I know that everything else could be terrible going on around me, but you're the answer and you're the source and you're what I need in every moment. Moment. It's this declaration we learn that this is, brings us to Jesus and what he does. Now, here is how Jesus is the answer, okay? Because Jesus is the provider, not just the provision. He is the source for everything that we need. He is the source for clarity. He is the source for peace. He is the source for financial provision. He is the source for everything that we need. It is not simply that we're looking for some little answer to whatever we're going through, but we look to the provider that, has the, that owns the cattle on a thousand hills and has no limitation to what he has. It's us being able to see that. It's understanding that Jesus is the foundation of truth, over just one single answer. He is the foundation. If this is the foundation of what I believe, it will answer every question that I have in my life. Because, because this speaks to who I am. And when I start to face culture and I start to have questions about all these things that culture says and all these lies that are going around and all these things that culture is saying to believe and, and just because you're born a certain way doesn't mean that you have to be that way and all of these kinds of things that come in, when you come and you say, no, 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 he is the foundation of my truth, it will help shape all the answers to all the other questions. So this, this is why this is so important. He's the comforter over momentary comfort. We all go through pain. We all walk through things that are really hard. But how many of you would want a God who walks with you as the continual constant comforter, not just I gave you a momentary comfort? That's who he is. He's the prince of peace over circumstantial, experiential peace. Like the circumstances may say something different. But when you sit and your eyes are on him, you understand, even in the storm, Nick said it, not before the storm, not after the storm, in the storm, he's the prince of peace. He brings peace regardless of whatever happens. And he is the healer over the way we think we should be healed. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He formed us before one day was born. He knew the whole thing. He created us. He's the best physician in the world because he knows all of this that's going on. Sorry. <laughs> but he knows it. And because of that, he brings the healing that we need in the time that we need, in the way that we need. I would have loved for him to heal my brain tumor, take that away without having to go through surgery, but he didn't. He brought healing the way he wanted because I needed to go through that for what he wanted me to be on the other side. This is what it means to walk in this discipleship relationship with God. Okay, now, bringing it to a close. 
Number five, the ingredient that is absolutely necessary for asking, seeking, and knocking is trust in Jesus, is trust in Jesus. A couple scriptures for you to encourage you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, do not rely on your own understanding. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Isaiah 26 says, you will keep the mind that you, meaning Jesus, will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace for it is trusting you. Trust in the Lord forever because the Lord, the Lord himself is an everlasting rock. When the winds come and the waves come and the rain comes down and the flood surges and your life is destroyed and everything falls out from underneath you, you know what's gonna stand? The rock that you're planted on. If we're planted on the rock and allow that to be. Hebrews 11 says this now, without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If we're going to ask, seek, and knock, we need to be okay with receiving the answer that God gives because he knows way better than us what we need in that moment. Now, if we don't receive the answer that we want, does that mean that we stop asking, seeking, and knocking? No. Because what it is is an opportunity for us to once again not look at learning from a narcissistic standpoint of my way is the way and I need everything else to prove that I'm right. It's aligning everything we are with the word of God again and allowing this to shape and wash over us to receive what he is speaking into our lives. We all love getting the answers if they're the answers we want. But do we trust when they're not? So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to put a prayer up on the screen for you. And, uh, and what I would encourage you to do, it's in your notes, if you texted the notes, but you can take a picture. I don't think you can write all that down very fast, but if you want to, go for it. Have fun. But you can take a picture. And what I want to encourage you to do as kind of the takeaway, what's the practical takeaway as we go? As we begin to, to live a life according to being a disciple of Christ, to learn how to know God more, um, there's some shifting, I think, in all of our minds, and I'm right there, right along with every single one of us in this room. I think sometimes I've got it pretty figured out how it all needs to go. I need the Holy Spirit to come and speak to me, to give me a different perspective and a different way of thinking, right? Anybody else in for that? kind of use the Holy Spirit to come and rewire some things. This prayer, I would encourage you to take it away this week and, and very simply just do this. Commit to over the, the next week, weeks, whatever, start your day by praying this. Saying, Father, what do you want to show me about yourself in my situation today? Whatever storm I'm going through, what do you want to show me about yourself? What should I surrender? What expectations should I lay down? And what should I believe about you and who you are? I have questions. By the way, God loves your questions. He loves when we ask. He loves when we seek because it gives him the opportunity to answer. If we don't ask him, how are we gonna receive the answers from him that he wants to give us? He loves the questions. You can't ask a question that's too hard for him. He loves your questions. God, I have questions. And I'm gonna trust you as the answer. I would encourage you again to take this, to pray it over yourself over these next few weeks. Let this shift and change your mind to understand what it means to ask, seek, knock, and to receive the revelation of Jesus into your life. Amen? Amen. As we close here today, um, I do want to give an opportunity for uh, anybody in this place who, as I talk about asking, seeking, and knocking, you know, you're like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting, you know, that we're, we're searching for answers. One of the first things 
that, uh, that James actually talks about is for us, if we desire to draw near to Christ, he will draw near to us. If we are seeking Christ, if we are seeking the salvation, if we are seeking him as the comforter and the answer for everything that we have, if the Bible promises he will be found. If you're here, you listen to me in the room or online, and you're far from Christ, Maybe you're, 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 you're hearing, you're kind of curious a little bit about what's going on and what I'm saying, but you want to take that first step to do what I said Jesus loves, is to ask a question and pursue him just a little bit more, to seek after him. The promise is that when you seek him, you will find him, and you will find salvation, and you will find forgiveness. Maybe you've carried shame and guilt of sin in your life for a really long time. I want you to know that as you seek the forgiveness of Christ, it's immediate and it's complete in your life. You might be seeking for a different way of life. You may be asking questions. What is this all about? What's life all about? You might have some big situations going on in your life that you really need some breakthrough in. And I want you to know that as you begin to pursue Christ, he's going to come to you. This morning, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you did before, but you've walked away from him, and you want to either begin that or make a fresh dedication to the Lord today, I'm going to invite you to say a prayer. We're all going to say this prayer together, and it's simply the beginning step of a relationship with him and this ability to know him, to pursue him, to ask questions, to seek, to knock, and to see him as the answer in your life. So I'd invite everyone to just close your eyes, to bow your heads, and just repeat this after me, and we're all going to do this together as a family. Jesus, I'm coming to you today, and I am asking you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to wash away my sins, and I thank you for the new life that comes with you. I thank you that my old way of living is gone and a new has come. And today, I give you my life, and I ask you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I just want to tell you, begin a journey that is an amazing journey of seeking the faithfulness of God, the provision of God, and the reality of who he is. Can we do this? Can we put our hands together this morning for everyone that asked Jesus into their heart in the room or online?